0: Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. We got a jam-packed episode. I have lots of talking to do. First thing, I want to share my results and thoughts about my seven days as a true carnivore. Yep, I only ate meat and eggs for seven days every single meal. And I have some mixed emotions kind of that I want to share with you about it and really dive into how I felt and what I think, I guess, now that I've had the experience myself. So we'll get into that. I also have a few hot seat questions that I need to answer before we start the new round and want to make sure to get to those. I think there's about 10-ish questions, things that I think will be really good to answer here on the podcast. So we'll get to those near the end. And it's going to be just a good, fun show, me just talking, which I hope you all don't mind, since. It happens every week. But anyway, before we get started, a few quick announcements. The first thing that I want to make sure you all are aware, this is the last time I'm going to be sharing this information with you. You have until the end of September to get you are 10% off at PrimelyPure.com. So Primely Pure is the company that I have used for years when I first made my switch to using safer, healthier, more natural, non-toxic, all that stuff that we need to be looking into as women. When I started doing that for my skincare, Primely Pure is who I turned to and they have the best skincare, deodorant. I've now started using the cleansing oil, which is great and smells amazing. They have just awesome products. I really want you all, if you haven't already started your non-toxic journey or you are wanting to further it and learn about some new products, this is the time because you're getting 10% off at Primely Pure through the end of September 2018 when you use the coupon code KETO, the number four women over at PrimelyPure.com. I have to tell you, like I said, I just got the cleansing oil and started using that as my nightly face wash. It's amazing. It smells so good. It works really well. It takes off my makeup, but it also leaves my face so soft. So like the next morning, I've just noticed my face is so much softer than it used to be when I was just using even coconut oil. Way softer just because of their ingredients that are specifically for the female face, all natural, obviously. And then the other thing that I just started using, I've always been a fan of the deodorant. I've used it for, I think, probably four years now. They're the only natural deodorant that I can actually use and that works. And I just started using the Blue Tansy, which is a new one they have on their list. And it is awesome. It smells so good, nice and girly, but also really, really works. It's great for if you have more sensitive skin because blue tansy is known to be kind of calming and will calm the inflammation and the irritation from your underarms. So that's why I started using it because I do have sensitive skin and it works so well, smells really good the entire day you guys got to check it out. So, head to primelypure.com, use coupon code KETO the number 4 women and get started on that safe skincare journey. Other than that, not a whole lot going on around here. When you're listening to this, it is actually the first day. Well, if you're listening to this close to when it airs, then we are probably in the midst of having our first annual fat burning female retreat so I have 16 ladies coming to Boulder to hang out with me for the weekend we have a lot planned some like amazing meals every single meal is just going to be awesome we are hiking we're doing a private yoga class we're doing a private cooking class we're walking around Boulder I'm going to show them some of my favorite places and having some really good meaningful discussions too and some an emotional release type situation hopefully as well for these ladies so I'm happy to talk with them about keto but then also dive into some of the deeper stuff that we may not be addressing in our keto worlds. So that's what the retreat is for and kind of something I saved that for. So really looking forward to that. I'll let you know how it goes or how it went next week. And if that's something that you want to get involved with next time I run one, which hopefully (laughs) hopefully it goes well and I decide to do it again. And if so, all you need to do is be a fat burning female and then you get that invitation to come to Boulder or wherever I may hold it next which would be fun to kind of find a new place even though Boulder's amazing but it'd be fun for me to go somewhere else that's happening this weekend or may have already happened if you're listening to this a little bit later And other than that, the Fat-Burning Female September class is well underway. They're doing great. Fat-Burning Female self-study is always open and still an option if that's something that you want to get into before the holidays, want to really make sure you're doing keto correctly and have those sugar cravings under control and feeling better about your food and your intuitive choices, then that's something that you can check out with the self-study through the end of the year. And just, yeah, lots of changes happening around here, lots of stuff that I'm working on. I can't wait to share it with you all a little bit later, but not right now. Instead, let's get into my journey through seven days of being a carnivore. So we talked about this last episode with Vanessa Spina, episode 65. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that after this. Just if you want to learn more about the carnivore kind of experiments that people are doing and and what we're learning about these experiments with ourselves, at least, and if it's something that you feel would be a good fit for you to try. The conversation that I had with her is what really led me to try it myself. I had been kind of looking at it and thinking about it, but I love vegetables, as you probably all know, and I really love the Ability of vegetables, obviously, to provide great micronutrients that we need as humans, but especially as women trying to become as healthy as possible. And I still believe that that is true, that vegetables provide a really great source of the micronutrients that many of us are deficient in. But meat does that as well. Good, high quality, the best quality meat. Will do that as well. So that's 100% grass fed, grass finished beef, which is very hard to find. Also, you know, wild caught fish that you can truly make sure is, is wild caught, pasture raised pork, pasture raised chicken, pasture raised eggs, these kinds of things. Really making sure the quality is important here because those micronutrients are also found very richly in these foods and they're very easy for us to digest. So we can actually sometimes more so be able to absorb the nutrients that are in meat a little bit easier than we can with vegetables because they're a little harder on our gut to digest for some of us. Well, for a lot of us, they're harder to digest. We may have some undigested nutrients actually pass through our entire system and out in, as waste instead of getting absorbed. So that's kind of, I think, the reason why it is intriguing is because I know and I think that a lot of people who maybe are in this holistic health, functional medicine world, understand that meat is a very nutrient-dense food as long as it's properly raised. That kind of unfortunately goes out the window when it's conventionally raised in KFOS or in feedlots or whatever the case may be, which is, you know, obviously the majority of our meat that's being provided to us nowadays. But when you really take the opportunity to get this good, high-quality meat, then it is such a nutrient-dense source of The micronutrients. And that's what then leads people to understand and not be scared of taking the vegetables out of their diet for a small period of time. So that's really what led me to think that it's not something that I poo poo or don't think is a good idea. And once I more so wrapped my head around not having the crunch and the flavor, and I also, I think you all know too, I use my vegetables as like my vehicle to get more fats in my diet so that I do stay in ketosis. And not having that, all of it was kind of scaring me, not the nutrient part of it. But then I finally realized that, hey, I'm eating so many vegetables and this is so great and I love it and it tastes so good, but I feel not good afterwards. I was noticing, especially in the past, month or so, which I'll explain some of the reasons why I think this might be happening. I had been really noticing I was getting very bloated after my meals, just really any meal. I would feel kind of like five, six months pregnant, which first of all, I have no idea what it's like to be pregnant, but I'm assuming that that's how it feels to feel five to six months pregnant. And I know a lot of you can relate to that feeling. You have this like giant food baby or so you think but really it's just gas and digestive troubles. But I was noticing that creeping up and it was something that I had dealt with, gosh, probably four or five years ago, something that I was really dealing with pretty badly. And I had taken the time to take out my food sensitivities, understand what those were, of course, take them out, heal my gut, do the whole protocol, do lots of bone broth and collagen and all these things to heal my gut. And then I was able to add these foods back in and plus some and not have any bloating or any digestive trouble. And then it started coming back again. So instead of doing another food sensitivity test, which I think is always the best way, just so you all know, and I think you all do, I think that's always the best place to go if you do think that you have some issues digestively or any you know skin mood mental function energy migraines anything like that that you think could be related to food definitely do a food sensitivity test but for me it was just kind of a slight change in digestion and I just wanted to quickly know if that was what it was was a specific vegetable or just I'm eating too many vegetables or something else entirely and so doing a week of carnivore was able to help me decipher that just really quickly. And even if I needed to go further and do a food sensitivity test or a GI panel after that. So that was what I was really going for is to kind of clear out some of the questions I had about my digestion and, you know, see if that was even possible. But then also I want to be able to talk to you guys about this because I know there's a lot of buzz in the keto community about going carnivore. And just, I think in the overall health the diet space, there's a lot of talk about carnivore. And I want to be able to provide you with kind of a educated opinion, I would say, of what I think and who it would be good for and who it would not be good for and what to expect. So you can determine if that's something that you want to try for yourself. So that's why we're here. And that's why I did it. Seven days, all meat. So first, let me tell you a little bit about what it looked like. I was eating. Here's the deal. I don't eat dairy. And I didn't want to include dairy because I felt like that would kind of hinder some of the results I would be getting or could be experiencing if I started adding in dairy. Not that I'm sensitive to dairy, but I don't always feel like dairy Is helping my health, if that makes sense. I feel sometimes like it's not the best option for me and my body, and for a lot of people in their bodies, to be honest. So I didn't want to put that in, even though it would have been easier. I think if I was able to have some like heavy cream or butter or cheese, I think some people even eat on carnivore, and those weren't options for me. So it did make it a little tougher to get fat sources in. I did have some ghee, however, for some of it, which helped a little bit and helped with the satiety factor. But again, things we'll talk about in the future coming up. So what it looked like for me and what carnivore really actually is, is eating meat or animal products. So things that an animal would provide you, which is obviously their meat. It would also be eggs. It would also be dairy if that's something that you consume or want to consume. And that's it pretty much. So also the fats of that meat. So tallow, lard, butter, ghee, that kind of thing. So that's what I did. And that's really what it looks like. I will say the only thing that I did continue to include was coffee. I probably could have gone without, but I felt like I had just given up so many kind of rituals that that was something I still really wanted to keep in and it was a really good way and really the only way besides tea in my opinion for me at least to get my collagen in for the day and that was something that I still wanted to make sure I got as far as like I guess you could call it a supplement was the collagen peptides that I use from Vital Protein. So, I Still wanted to get that in every morning, and that's the best way for me to do it is with coffee or tea. So, technically, a plant food, but I'm giving myself a pass on that. So, I still made sure to eat three meals a day at least. Obviously, the meals looked very different. So, in the morning for breakfast, I would have three eggs and either three pieces of bacon, or then later in the week, I switched over to an organic chicken sausage, bratwurst type thing. I will say that I try to stay away from most spices, but it's really hard. That made it almost for some of the meals just you can't palate <laughs> that much meat if you don't have some sort of spice or flavor to it. So I guess that would be another kind of plant-based food that I did consume were some just simple herbs and spices to mix things up. But a lot of times I just use salt and pepper, too. And that really helped. But like, for instance, there were some organic spices in that chicken sausage that I ate, but I needed it. <laughs> so I also consumed that in the seven days. So that was breakfast. And then, like I said, I had the black coffee and just put collagen in it. And then lunch, you know, mixed it up. but definitely ate a lot of ground beef. And I made sure to keep the fat in the ground beef once I had cooked it so that I would still get that fat. And sometimes I even added more fat. I remember one day I did add some ghee into my ground beef and that was actually really delicious. I highly recommend that and melted that in there. I had some pork a few times. I made some shredded pork. I actually did end up going to Whole Foods a few times because we have a a pretty decent Whole Foods here in Boulder as far as the hot bar is concerned. Well, I mean, the whole stores. Awesome. But we have a really good hot fire in there too. And, you know, I can find some plain shredded chicken. I can find some paleo pork and things like that that I just don't have the sauce with. So I did end up doing that a few times just out of desperation for needing more meat than I had cooked or realized I needed. We did grill and we grilled some pork chops and some ahi. And some steak, which I think you probably all saw on my social media if you follow me there. What else did I eat? Hard-boiled eggs, smoked salmon, that was often a lunch. Pork rinds, I did find the Epic brand pork rinds. The sea salt variety is just very clean ingredients, just basically pork skin pork fat, and salt. So I did eat those when I needed some crunch. I had a lot of oh so good bone broth, which is a proud sponsor of this episode. And that really, really helped. That was something I drank at night before bed to kind of get in more fats because I always blended in some ghee or tallow. And also if I felt hungry at any point, that really helped with that too, especially getting in the higher fats. So That's pretty much, I would say, what I ate for seven days. And to some of you, if you are someone like I mentioned last week, I'm someone that likes meat and I crave meat and I do well with meat. So if you are like me, that probably sounds really delicious. If you are not or just have already done carnivore for seven days like me, that doesn't sound super delicious right now. It sounds like a lot of boring food. But in any case, it was overall a really good experience. So let me tell you about the good things that happened. First of all, like Vanessa and I talked about last week, the bloating. So as I mentioned, that was the main thing that I was experiencing with my body and with eating lots of vegetables and having that bloat happen after those meals with lots of vegetables. And taking those veggies out and almost just like giving my digestive system a rest because it is way easier for most people to digest some protein, especially if it's already partially digested for you, like ground beef or, you know, just a really light, easy protein like eggs. For most people, it's not everybody, so don't. Be upset if you don't feel you digest those things well. But for a lot of people, that's easier to digest than, say, like a giant salad or broccoli, cauliflower, kale, you know, these things that are rough. They're also rough on our digestive system. So it's almost like giving your body that break for seven days and just really letting your digestive system have a bit of rest. I think also with that easier digestive process also comes. Less gas because when we are bloated, it's most likely gas related. A lot of the times, we just have our digestive system basically off gassing as it goes through the process of digesting our foods. And especially if you have a bacterial imbalance, maybe you have a dysbiotic or bad bacteria kind of lingering around, or maybe you just have low, good bacteria that's throwing your balance off. Those are reasons to produce gas when you eat something that that bacteria also feeds off of so that, or you could just have trouble digesting those foods. It could take your body longer to do so. It could just be a lot of work and then this gas is produced. That doesn't really happen that often with meat, you know, because of this easier process to Kind of digest and the lower quantity of waste that comes from meat and just animal products in general. So the reduction in bloat on a daily basis felt fantastic. And I really think that when people say, because I've been kind of posting about this all week and I've gotten a lot of comments back and people that have done carnivore already just love it and they feel so good. And I think one of the main reasons you feel so good, especially if you're coming from a past of being bloated, is just that is the best feeling to not be bloated, to be able to eat a meal and not feel like your shirt got tighter or smaller in the process, which I know if you suffer from bloating, you understand what I'm talking about. To not have that feeling after a meal is pretty spectacular and for a whole week is great. So That was probably the biggest thing that I noticed. It just felt really good to not be bloated. I also, I had really good energy for most of the time. There were a few days that I felt a little kind of sluggish. And I think really the reason for that is because it's very hard to eat enough food. So at the beginning, I had such a hard time conceptualizing how much food or how much protein, how many ounces of meat would be enough at each meal to keep me satisfied. And I also don't think I included enough fat in those meals at the beginning. And I was eating too lean of of proteins and, and not enough fat. And so my energy kind of swayed a little bit in those days. I also had trouble sleeping in the first few days. And again, for me, the number one sign that I didn't eat enough that day is if I don't sleep that night. As soon as I eat enough food, I sleep like a baby. The second I don't, my body's like, nope, (laughs) you need more food. You're hungry. I'm going to wake you up in the middle of the night and let you know. And so I had a few nights of that where, just in the beginning, it's like I said, when you're used to eating a certain portion of meat and you've done so, and then even with keto, that portion of meat is often a little less than typical, I would say, because we're trying to moderate our protein. And then you have to start eating only protein. It's really hard to figure out that it's more than just like another ounce of meat. It's a lot of meat. And that was when I realized that the only way I would be able to get enough food is if every meal I had multiple sources of meat. So that's when I started doing like a pile of ground beef with a pile of pulled pork and then some smoked salmon and a hard-boiled egg. That made a huge difference and made me finally able to get enough food throughout the day. And then, of course, adding fats on top of those helped too. So I do recommend that. But my workouts were really great. I had actually some Really great workouts. My sprint workout felt more powerful. I was able to increase weights on my heavy lifting days, had the energy for the workout. Yeah, so that was something I really felt went really well. As far as actual body composition, which I think would be probably why a lot of people would do this, and I will just say right now, I don't think that that is a reason to go carnivore. If you're looking for straight body composition changes, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And I wasn't going to talk about this till later, but since it's coming up, let's just talk about it now. I think with most things, the wrong reason to try it is body composition change. So we all know that about me. But specifically with carnivore, you'd have to do it for a really long time to see the results that you're looking for. And I don't necessarily think that anyone should be doing it for that period of time. So I kind of would contradict that. I will say that you would notice some potentially weight loss. I think a lot of people do notice and some people even said, commented on my Instagram that it kind of pushed them out of their plateau or whatever, some sort of like weight loss words being used. But I could see how that would seem as though that's what's happening really what's happening is you're losing a lot of water weight. So I definitely lost water weight. It's going to come back on as soon as I start adding in different foods and putting these vegetables back in. So it's temporary, but I think it did make it kind of hard in losing that water weight, it made it pretty tough for me to get my electrolytes in check again, and I really did have to make sure to supplement with my electrolytes, had to salt my water on occasion, and that was all something that I had really gotten all balanced out after two years of being keto and and figuring that out, and then I had to kind of try it again and figure that out again, but I just did want to mention that it seems like you're losing weight but it's water weight in that time, I could see for sure with the increase in protein, which is something we need to talk about too, that increase in protein would help you to build lean muscle mass and restore lean muscle mass and potentially lose body fat because of that kind of metabolic change that would happen based on the increase in protein. So I could see that and and that may be a long-term thing that happens even once you continue to add in vegetables and get back to more of a keto life instead of a carnivore life, that could be something that would be maintained. So we'll talk about that coming up too. Another great thing, and really um, besides the bloat, I think this is the best thing that came out of it for me. And again, something that we talked about last week with Vanessa, and something she really loved was kind of how it reminds you of your intuitive eating. For me, it was a reminder. For some people, it might be the first time that you feel intuitive with your food or learn what that means because when you can only eat meat, it blocks you, I guess, is a word I'll use, even though I don't want to use that word, but I'm going to. It blocks you from being able to continue to eat beyond being satisfied or grab a snack from the pantry when you're not really actually hungry or just browse through the fridge just to see what's in there and then end up eating something just because you're bored. It really keeps you from doing that because it's just meat, And like, you're kind of sick of eating it by the end of your your meal and you definitely need at least a few hours before you're ready to eat some meat again. So I really have now noticed because intuitive eating is something I've practiced for several years now. It's something that keto totally gave me. But I think no matter what, it's always a practice. It's always something that you have to kind of monitor and an occasionally get a grip on again I think because I was didn't even really notice this until carnivore I was you know kind of mindless eating sometimes I was grabbing the jar of nut butter or getting a piece of chocolate or you know just continuing to eat beyond being satisfied with my meals because there was just food there just as I was packing up my leftovers, I'd continue eating the vegetables or something like that, even though I wasn't hungry. And I think that that stuff kind of always is there and can happen really easily because it's just mindless stuff. And we're not even thinking, we're just kind of doing it it becomes habit. So it's like, oh, it's three o'clock, it's time for my piece of chocolate. But you're not actually hungry for it. And you don't actually want it if you really think about it. So I do really think that put a ton of stuff into perspective for me as far as kind of re-engaging with my intuitive eating practice, which I love using that. And that word, it is something that will always just kind of need to be maintained and and thought about it. It's not always going to come just right away and nor should it because... It's a learning experience all the time. So that really, really helped me in just realizing how much I eat mindlessly and how many times I would have potentially kept eating beyond satiety if I had more than meat on my plate. So that was a really, really great thing to come out of it. And something that I will definitely have changed over seven days is now really getting back to my intuitive eating roots and understanding what I actually want, when I actually want it, what it feels like to be satisfied and not overly full or not overly hungry, and just getting back to thinking about all of that and and what foods actually sound good. So that is really, really exciting for me and really, truly would be one of the biggest reasons why I would tell you to potentially consider doing a week of carnivore is if you feel like your intuitive eating has either maybe not come yet or kind of gotten lost lately, then that would be a good reason. So first of all, back on this topic of digestion, I want to talk about bowel movements because the biggest question I got was, are you constipated? Are you pooping? What's it like not having any fiber? And for me, it actually did the opposite. And for the person that I was doing this with, it actually did the opposite. So I don't see constipation being an issue with carnivore. It could potentially maybe be for the first day or two, maybe even 3 days while your body's adjusting, but it's so ingrained in us without much research at all and actually there's research towards the opposite that we have to have tons of fiber if we're constipated. Like just pound the fiber and it will push your waste to the point where you can go to the bathroom. However, like I've said before, but needs to be repeated, there is a really tight sweet spot for every single person about the amount of fiber that is right for them. Yes, a certain amount of fiber will bulk up your stools, will help it kind of make its way to where it needs to be. But beyond that, then you're just like clogging the pipes. I'm just going to give the toilet example because we're talking about this. But, you know, there's a certain amount of toilet paper that's just right, right? Not enough, not good. Too much, you're clogging things up. And pretty soon you're going to have to call a plumber. Same thing goes for your digestive system. And so for me, I think not having any fiber or little fiber that week wasn't really an issue And actually, I could use maybe a little bit to bulk up my stool to maybe slow it down a little bit. But I don't need to pound fiber to go. And I would actually challenge anyone who is dealing with constipation to reduce your fiber and see what happens or go carnivore and see what happens. I'd be very interested to see that. Again, this is complete speculation. I have no idea. It could just be kind of a two-person random thing that happened, but I would just be interested to see how that goes. And like I said, I was kind of doing some research on carnivore and and everything over the weekend. And I did find a study that said that a zero or low fiber diet cured constipation, or I can't remember what the terms were, but reverse constipation, I guess we will say. And I will even link to that study in the show notes if you all are interested, because it was really cool to find that out. But of course, just side note, there are no studies, at least that I could find, related to a carnivore diet that were of any kind of interest to me. So if you guys know of any, cool, but I didn't find any. So I think really the evidence about carnivore is anecdotal at this point. It's all people, lots and lots of people feeling really good doing carnivore. Before we move on with this episode, let me just take a minute to remind you all about the healing power of bone broth. And more specifically, Oh So Good Bone Broth, who is a proud Keto for Women sponsor, Bone broth is the best, most nutrient-dense way that you can go to heal your body and heal your gut and improve your skin and nails and hair. The amino acid profile in bone broth is absolutely incredible, something we all need and a lot of us miss on a regular basis. Not to mention those micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals also provided naturally in bone broth that work to heal your gut and also to to heal your immune system and to keep you healthy and well. That's why we are recommended to drink broth when we're sick or when we feel ourselves getting sick. And to have that in a package that is so delicious and so easy. All you have to do is grab a pack of oh so good bone broth out of your freezer, let it thaw, put it into a pot and you can use it either in recipes for whatever you're making that day. Or my personal favorite is to just drink it straight out of a mug. It's very comforting and warm. I love to do it before bed. It's kind of my nighttime ritual. It calms me down, makes sure that I'm nice and healthy heading into bedtime and I have those nutrients ready to go. Oh So Good Bone Broth is 100% the best tasting broth out there. It is the best one I have ever had. I've tried them all. I am a huge fan of the flavors of the bone broth that they have there at Oh So Good. My favorite is the Signature. I highly recommend that. A close second is the Spicy Pork. So make sure when you are placing your order with Oh So Good, you grab those two and just give them a try. Let me know if you think they're your favorite too. And just make sure you always have some around. I know you can make your own, but there's just times when all of a sudden you or your family member feels like they're coming down with something and you need some broth immediately, but you don't have any bones. You don't have the time to make some broth. And it's just really nice to have that in the freezer ready to go for whenever you or your family needs it, which really, honestly, it's an everyday thing you need to be making this a ritual so that it gets into your health care routine because it is a much needed part of that. So head to ohsogoodbones.com and get $10 off your order when you use the code KETO, the number for women. That's O-S-S-O goodbones.com and use the coupon code KETO, the number for women, to place your order. Get $10 off. Make sure to try all those flavors. Try the soups too. They are phenomenal and so easy to pull out and have around for a quick dinner. Uh, Just so great. Everything's so good there. I promise you're going to be obsessed. Okay, what else do I need to tell you? Oh, also, I did... Test my ketones and my blood sugar for some of the days, not all of them, because quite frankly, I got sick of poking my finger that much. My ketones were always in the 0.5 to 0.8 range, so lower than usual for me, but not something I was at all worried about. I felt really good. I was definitely in ketosis. I could feel that ketone energy and the ketone power, so that was nice. My blood sugar I think the lowest it got was like 78, and the highest it got, which would have been right like an hour after a really high protein meal, was maybe like 94. So, no issues with blood sugar whatsoever eating that high protein diet. And, you know, my fat definitely was reduced because for me, my primary fats are coconut oil, avocado oil, mayo avocado oil dressings, those kinds of things, which are not part of carnivore. So I had to rely on basically tallow and ghee. So I think that kind of is is potentially what caused my ketones to be a little bit lower and would potentially also cause my blood sugar to be a little bit higher because we can think of those fats, kind of the higher fat diet you're having, even with a high protein diet, will definitely dampen down that blood sugar impact that even the protein would have. So I could have gotten my blood sugar markers even lower post-meal if I had had a little bit more fat at that meal. All right. I think, oh, we need to go back to the digestive things I was going to tell you about besides the changes in stool. Also, because of the lack of bloating when just eating meat, it leads me to believe that either I have a specific sensitivity to a vegetable, which I don't think is the case, but could be possible. And so if you're doing this carnivore at some point, and that is the case for you, that is a possibility that you have a food sensitivity to something that you took out. And that's why you have lost the bloating. But I think for me, Because I have just plates and plates and plates full of vegetables every day, it's just the sheer quantity of vegetables is too much for my digestive system to handle. So I do plan on reducing the overall amount of vegetables I eat in a day. Not by a ton because I, like I said, I think meat is a great source of micronutrients, but I think we still need and should be getting the micronutrients and the phytonutrients that we can get from veggies too. So that's why I don't recommend carnivore long-term. So I do, and will go back to eating lots of vegetables, but Definitely moderating my portions at each meal to see if that helps. I am also going to be reintroducing foods a little bit systematically. So I'm going to be doing like groups of vegetables. So all squashes and then all leaf lettuces and then all like root vegetables, just kind of grouping them up a little bit to see if I do notice any changes with the group. Although, like I said, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's more so just not eating plates and plates of veggies anymore. And then from there, if I continue to experience anything digestively, then I will be doing a GI panel and a food sensitivity test because it is possible that I could have experienced some die-off over the seven days of carnivore too. If I do have something specific going on in my gut, like some sort of pathogenic overgrowth, or candida overgrowth, parasite, something like that, then doing carnivore would probably cause some die-off symptoms, and that could have been the reason for the changes in my bowel movements. So I'm going to keep all this in mind and see how things go as I progress slowly back into a regular keto diet. So today is the first day that I am not carnivore and still had the same exact thing for breakfast as my carnivore days, but for lunch, I will definitely be adding in some veggies and some coconut oil and things like that. And we'll see how how it goes with smaller portions. But the biggest thing that I will be doing that I think a lot of you could really, really benefit from, and this is, again, something that Vanessa mentioned too, is just really increasing your protein. I definitely will be eating a high-protein keto diet, which sounds totally not allowed, not possible, but it is. And I think more of us need to understand that, that it's not so much your protein levels that you need to really worry about. It's just really making sure that you're getting a a sufficient amount of fat along with that protein to get you into ketosis and to produce ketones and keep you there. But that protein can be a lot higher for a lot of you and not all of you. Keep that in mind. It's definitely something you're going to have to test for yourself. And doing the blood sugar testing after your high protein meals and doing the ketone testing throughout the day, too, is a good idea. But most of us are eating too low protein. And I will say that I still believe that lower protein level is good to get into ketosis. If it's the first time you're trying to get into keto and having trouble and you want to make sure you're doing it correctly, I still believe lowering your Protein level for that, the few weeks to maybe a few months while you're adjusting and your body's adjusting to being in ketosis is a great idea. But I think from there, once you've established this lifestyle and you're keto adapted, I think there's a lot more room for flexibility with our proteins than we are allowing. And especially as women and especially as people who want to, I think most of us, if I'm you know being fair here based on the questions and everything that I get we want to have a really strong metabolism and part of having a really strong metabolism there there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle but one big one is to build and maintain muscle and like i mentioned That's what protein does for us. Those amino acids are builders and maintainers of our muscle, So really, really important. And that will help then boost your metabolism because the more muscle you have, the higher metabolism will be because the more energy you need to sustain that muscle versus fat. So I think that that right there is one really good reason for everyone to try to moderate their protein levels a little bit, bump them up and see what happens to your body and how you feel. But for me to eat straight protein pretty much for seven days and feel amazing, have amazing workouts, stay in ketosis, have zero bloat, I mean, geez, there's a lot of good stuff there as to why carnivore would be great. Now, like I mentioned, for me, it would not be something that I would do beyond, I would say maybe I would do two weeks at the most at some point. And I don't plan on doing this again for maybe I could see it being kind of almost like either an intuitive eating reset or maybe just a digestive reset. I could see both of those being the case. Maybe like once a quarter, you know, change a season, something like that. It's almost could be like kind of this like cleanse detox thing you try to do too. So that would potentially be something I would try. I don't know. We'll see how it goes and see how I feel as I reintroduce some things. But that's what I would really recommend. I think if you do want to try as a keto for women lady, is if this really resonates with you and it really sounds like something that you want to do. I would do it for a week, see how it goes, see what you learn about yourself, make sure you're eating enough food and enough fat. That's probably the hardest thing. And again, it's the same situation with keto where if you don't, you are putting some stress on your body. So we want to keep this as stress-free as possible. So enough food will be the kind of barrier to making it a stressful environment for your body. So keep that all in mind and, you know, take some notes journal. like I journaled. I have my day one through seven journal right here so that I could kind of share it with you. But really make it a a good learning experience for yourself and not just something that you're doing to see if you can lose some water weight to fit into some dress for something. Just really use it as a way to learn what's best for you and your body, how much protein is best for you and your body. If you do have a food sensitivity or a GI issue that you need to look into further, because keep in mind that, yeah, the bloating's gone, but the reason why you're bloating is most likely not gone when you do carnivore. So it is a band-aid still. But it could give you the information that you need to then go to your functional medicine or holistic health practitioner and get the testing that you need done or get some answers if you find that carnivore does cause, you know, major reduction in bloating. But then as soon as you add anything back, it's back, then you have something else going on. Or maybe you do have some die off that happened during your carnivore days. So yeah, maybe give it a shot if it sounds like something that is appealing to you. If it doesn't, don't do it. There's absolutely no reason to go carnivore. I don't think that it is necessary for anyone to do. It's more so just if you're curious, then I would say it's not going to harm you. It's, it's probably going to do some good stuff for you if you're curious. If you love vegetables as much as I do, then don't do it. Maybe just reduce your veggies and see if you get less bloated. And it's, that's really hard for me to say because you all know how much I love vegetables and I, and I believe in the power of veggies for women's health. But a lot of us, maybe we're eating too much. Maybe our giant like salad bowls full of salad are too much and we need to reduce that just a little bit. All right. That will cover that. Let's see. Oh, man, this is going to be like straight up lightning round. I'm going to try to get through these 10 questions that I got for the Keto Hot Sea edition. Last time I asked for questions, I did allow for them to be emailed, and I kind of forgot about them, to be honest, and was reminded by my assistant that I still had these questions. I did read through them so I could find – because when people email – They have a tendency to email things that are more personal or more specific to them. And we really want to keep these hot seat questions, something that people listening would get out of and not just a response for that specific person. And nobody else has any benefit to that. So I did read through them. I made sure that they were short. I made sure that they were pretty general and something that you all would take something from it. And that's why we have 10 here before we move on to the next round of keto hot seat questions. Okay, so let's get through these. I'm a high-level swimmer. My specialty is sprints, butterfly. The thing I've noticed is that keto is making me slow both in training and most importantly during races. I cannot seem to generate the fast speeds I normally was able to do. I have four to six major galas a year with two of them being the most important ones. It's a typo. This is breaking my heart because I'm improving with my GERD and lots of other gut issues, but my swimming is suffering. So she is asking how can she start feeling better endurance wise with her Workouts, her endurance swimming. And I think a lot of you are endurance trainers. And I think we could get some good benefit from answering this question. I would say the most important thing is you know, I'm very curious if you're fully in ketosis and at a good solid state of ketosis, if your body is actively using ketones for fuel, I really want to make sure that that is the case for you and that you are getting enough food and getting enough fat. Again, those are kind of the answers to a lot of questions that I get, but I still think we're having a hard time, you know, with with that, especially being as active as as you are, you've got to make sure that you're fueling now with fat and not body fat, dietary fat. Yes, the body fat will also be your fuel source, but you've got to make sure that your fat is high enough every day, no matter if it's a training day or an off day or whatever day. But really bumping that up and getting into a nice deep state of ketosis because then these races you will be fueled with ketones and a nice good level of ketones. Now, since you are also a sprinter, it may be a case where maybe a little bit of carbohydrate before a race would be a good idea where you're going to be doing sprints or even a practice where you're going to be doing sprints just a little bit maybe like a half a sweet potato or something like that might be helpful for those to kind of get that initial glucose pumping for that high intensity training and then you know using ketones for the more moderate longer paced endurance type event All right, next, I feel full a lot quicker and I feel like my calories are too low. I used to be a grazer of all things carbs and I've come away from snacking as I know I don't need it and it doesn't satisfy my body requirements. I feel a lot better having more substantial meals where I am packing in all the good fats and protein, but I feel like I'm not hungry for the next six to seven hours from that meal. Is this something that will naturally increase as my body gets used to it? Should I even be looking at calories or just going by how my body feels? So you want to go by how your body feels, which is hard. This is, again, something we've talked about, but it is really hard and does bear repeating because part of intuitive eating is that you're listening to your body, but you're also knowing your body's needs and your body needs enough food. So knowing that and knowing that's a big piece of Being intuitive and wanting to get healthy is fueling yourself appropriately. There is a line that you know because you're not hungry, you're not eating enough, but you still want to make sure that you're doing what's right for you and your health. So I'm not worried about calories. I don't think you should be worried about calories, but I think that you should include that as part of your intuitive eating where. You can easily bump up the amount of food by bumping up the fat that you're eating if it's that way because even just adding another scoop or something of some fat at your meal will increase the amount of overall energy you're getting in that day and not provide that much more as far as satiety goes. So that would be something to consider. It's just putting those questions out there and making sure that, part of your intuitive eating plan is to fully nourish your body. And you'll find that. And yes, it actually also will be something that changes. I think as your body gets used to it, Uh, I see this happen quite a bit. In Fat Burning Female Project, where they start off really full and then their body starts responding to the amount of food they should be eating. Their metabolism starts increasing and they can start eating more food easier. So it is also a metabolic function as well. And also kind of a leptin ghrelin signaling, you know, those hormones that regulate our appetite. That signaling will come back online as well as you continue to eat this way, and it will make it easier and you'll get hungrier potentially or or just, you know, need more to be fully satisfied, to make sure that you're getting enough food. But sounds like you're on the right track. I work out in the AM. It's a bar class, so not cardio strength training, but it's intense. My heart rate gets up but I find myself more often than not getting dizzy while I'm in class. I don't eat before because class is at 6 a.m., so I literally roll out of bed and go. Any tips? Yes, my tips would be to, first of all, make sure you're in ketosis. Sounds like you might potentially be in low-carb purgatory and you're getting a little bit of kind of hypoglycemic episode because you haven't eaten in so long and then start being active while you're still fasting. And so that's really common to happen in someone that's in low-carb purgatory, not actually eating a full ketogenic diet and producing ketones, maybe just low-carb instead. So that would be my first thing is make sure you're totally in ketosis. Make sure you're eating enough food. Again, broken record, but you've got to eat enough food or else another reason why you will have be having a hypoglycemic episode while working out fasted is just because you're low on total energy and nutrients. And if that's all happening and you're still feeling this way, then I would grab something high fat before your workout. So I really love to do like a nut butter packet before a workout. If I'm feeling hungry, it's kind of a good mix of protein, fat, a little bit of carb, and will kind of get you through that workout without the crash. So that would be my suggestion. But sounds like you might not be eating enough food and or not in ketosis. All right, next, I have recently found your podcast and have been diligently trying to listen to all of them. I have been trying to do keto for about two months. I had a hysterectomy with one ovary left. I am 38 and currently have a large cyst on my remaining ovary. I've been reading on exercise and ketosis and PCOS. Everything I read says strenuous exercise causes your body to release cortisol, which is a bad thing if you have PCOS and if your hormones are already unbalanced. Is this true? Okay, love this question it's tough. And this is something that I had to kind of work through myself because I was in this place of just really low cortisol, like basically none. And I had to modify my workouts quite a bit. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't or can't work out. There's a difference. So strenuous exercise does cause your body to release cortisol. It's kind of a hormetic stressor. So it's one of those stresses that it's actually really good for our body. It's a short-lived amount of cortisol that's released. And then it kind of does this great thing for our bodies and our energy levels and our muscle building and our metabolism. And then it settles back down or it should. So It is a good stressor, but if it's something, a case where you're already every single thing in your life is stressing you out, then that's not necessarily a good thing and should be moderated, but that doesn't mean it's gone. So strenuous exercise, I would say would be anything, get your own scale of one to 10. We all have different scales, one being like you're watching TV (laughs) and 10 being like, You're finishing a marathon and sprinting after just running for two hours, trying to be the winner of a marathon. So, like, that's really intense. And you're taking every ounce of energy you have, right? So, that's our one to 10 scale. Then, everything in between is going to be different for everybody, but you want to get to, like, I would say a six, five to six on your scale of intensity if you have severe adrenal issues. Or even, I would say, moderately severe adrenal issues, five to six. So that could be, you know, like a yoga flow class. It could be kind of a brisk walk. You can get your heart rate up still for sure. You definitely should still be lifting weights. That is, you can stay at a five to six on your intensity scale and still be able to lift weight and a decent amount of weight, enough weight to develop new muscle fibers. So it doesn't mean don't lift weights and they're off limits or you can only do five pounds. You can still find that place at a five to six where you are doing good things for your body and your muscle mass and stay out of that danger zone, I guess, which I don't even, it's not like if you get to a seven or eight occasionally, it's a danger zone. It's just you don't want to get there five days a week. And so then as you start healing your body and your adrenals and your cortisol levels start to regulate, then that number, that intensity number can slowly adjust. So then now you spend maybe a month or two at a six or seven on your workouts and then you up to a seven or eight on your, some of your workouts. And then then maybe you put in some eight to nine on the intensity scale for some of your workouts as you progress and get better. So I do have the Oh, this reminds me of something else to tell you, but I do have the health and strength workout program on my website. And if you actually buy the keto diet bundle, you will get it for free. This is something I forgot to tell you about at the beginning. But right now, if you're listening to this within the first week that this episode airs, there is the keto diet bundle where I believe it's like under 20 bucks. And you get, I think, like 45 different ebooks and programs. And there's like hundreds of recipes, like probably enough recipes to last you the rest of your keto life. But you also will get my health and strength workout program as part of that bundle. And I created that workout program. It's a home workout program for four weeks for those that are severely adrenal fatigued or autoimmune disease or PCOS. Like you have just anything you have going on that's causing a burden on your health, it would be a workout program for you to still build strength. So that's on my website. If you're listening to this after the keto diet bundle is up, which I believe ends September... 21st, I want to say, let me get that date. And September 20th. So it's on sale September 13th through September 20th. So if you are listening to this in that time frame, go to the show notes, get the link to the keto diet bundle. Like I said, it's like under 20 bucks. You get all this stuff and you will get that as part of the bundle. Okay, I know we're going over just a little bit. Let me do a few more questions here. I sometimes find myself hungry without access to a planned keto snack or in a rush in the morning and need something to quick grab. What are your favorite pre-made keto snacks? If you're out and about traveling and need some food and only have access to CVS or 7-Eleven, what would you buy? So I talk about my keto snacks all the time. I'll quickly just say, I would say nut butter, coconut butter packets. You can make some fat bombs, some little fat balls beforehand and take those. Jerky, 85% or higher dark chocolate. There's lots of good stuff. I post about it all the time on my Instagram. So you can go ahead and look at that. But this is an interesting question. Like if you're out and about and you only had, say, 7-Eleven, what would you get? And that was a hard one for me to think about because first of all, I will tell you that really always go prepared. Even if you don't think you're going to be hungry, even if you're like, oh, I'm only going to be out an hour, I always have a snack in my purse. It's usually a packet of nut butter, always, or something like that. Just keep that in mind, first of all. But if you only have that, then I would probably get a like a packet of nuts, like almonds or macadamia nuts if they have them, pistachio, something like that from a 7-Eleven type place. I would potentially maybe get some decaf coffee and hopefully I have some ghee or coconut oil packets with me and I could do that. But yeah, just be prepared. And then if not, go for the nuts because really I can't think of anything else in those stores that I would even be feel comfortable consuming. I've been following a keto protocol for 3 months and listening to your pods for 2. I'm having a hard time getting into ketosis. I have a keto blood meter I'm testing two hours after my midday meal. My results are 0.2 to 0.4. I've not tested higher than 0.4. My cortisol levels are upside down, low in the morning and high at night, according to several spit tests. I've been in treatment for several years for adrenal fatigue, but my cortisol levels still won't behave. Did I understand you correctly that if your cortisol is not correct, then you can't get into ketosis? Is the keto protocol not a good fit for me since I cannot get my cortisol to correct levels? What should I do? So... I won't say that you can't get into ketosis with disrupted cortisol, but it's gonna make it tougher. It's not impossible. I've seen many people do it. It often will require a long period of time. So, three months, that's a decent period of time. But I would really, you know, you say you're following a keto protocol, but without me seeing what you're actually eating, are you truly getting enough fat? Getting more fat will start producing those higher ketones. And then from there, you can moderate as you see fit. But I would even just increase your fat a little bit more for like a month, get those higher ketones, which will start registering. And then you can go back to where you are and you'd probably stay up there. But it also depends on how you feel. If you feel like your body enjoys being in ketosis, if you're feeling the benefits of being in ketosis, like clearer moods and energy and brain function and feeling stable and good throughout the day, which is hard to feel when you have this cortisol level that you do. If you're starting to feel like some of that's regulating, then you might be fine. Just boost the fats a little bit more. You're probably already partially there and continue doing it. If you don't feel good at all and even bumping your fats up doesn't help to get into ketosis, then you could potentially take a break for maybe a month or so, add in a little bit more carbohydrates, see how you do, and then try again later once maybe you've had a little bit more time for your adrenals to kind of reset and that cortisol to get into a little bit of a more normal pattern. But I definitely think that once you get into ketosis, you're going to see some great improvements with that cortisol level, but you're probably going to need to alter your macros a little bit more Continue all the other things you're doing for your adrenals. Make sure you're getting lots of rest, lots of relaxation, and it'll happen. I've been keto for seven months. I've never had stomach issues before. However, I've noticed recently certain foods I've been eating since I started keto are now aggravating my stomach and causing it to start to cramp. Is it possible to develop food sensitivities as you get more and more keto adapted? Yes, absolutely. Especially if you start eating the same foods over and over and over again, which is highly possible with keto because, you know, you have certain things that you're no longer eating and so you start incorporating more of the same foods to boost up the amount of food and that could happen. So if that's the case and you do notice that, I would definitely get a food sensitivity test done and a GI panel. Last one. Could you discuss how some people may not have perfect blood glucose numbers, even though strict keto? For example, I'm doing 80, 15, 5. I think that might be macros. Yes, it is macros. My blood glucose is usually 82 to 94 and ketones 0.5 to 2. I can't lower my blood glucose. I wanted to talk about this one because again, something that is just kind of really taken hold in the keto community for no reason is that we need to have like these super low blood sugar numbers. And it is not true. And in fact, will cause and can cause more harm than good if you're constantly in this place of like super low blood sugar. So, 82 to 94, like I said, that's what I had the entire time. It's really what mine always are, to be honest, and they didn't change through carnivore. Those are great blood sugar numbers. 82 to 94 is perfect. 0.5 to 2 ketones is perfect. You're doing everything great. And so please, please, please don't anyone start shooting for super low blood sugar. Please don't because then we get into hypoglycemic issues and then you start having A stressful environment in your body because your body needs cortisol to get those blood sugar numbers back up to where it's safe, which 82 to 94 is safety zone. You're in the safety zone, stay there. Okay, I'll end with that. (laughs) I'll end on that note. All right, so now we're gonna take new keto hot seat questions. I will be posting the call for those very, very soon on my Instagram and Facebook. Please make sure that they are short, that they are general, and that you haven't heard the answer to them before, if at all possible. That would be ideal, and then we'll start answering those in the next few weeks. I can't wait to get going on your new questions. If you had a question that didn't get answered or maybe needs more clarification, you can always submit that next time, and I'll get to those too. All right, that will do it. Thank you so much for joining me today, and we'll see you all next week.